Welcome back to another episode of City Life Uncensored. Of course, hanging out with my boy, B. Kirsch. What up, bro? What's up, man? Sponsored, of course, by Life Water here in front of me. Just kidding. We're really not, but uh, we always have them here, and they're delicious. So we'll, we'll give them a quick shout-out. Uh, got Jeff Boscano on the show here today. Super pumped to be chatting with Jeff. Jeff and I go way back. Um, heck, we started City Life, what, six, nine, something like that months ago? Yep. And you're already gone? <laughs> yeah. Come and go, like... Where you're a little bitch. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it was just like a weird exit too. Yeah. Like I feel like not it was the fastest thing and I, I so think fast. it was. It people was just, might be learning about it today. Yeah. Like I, from this episode. They might yeah. be. And we'll tell we'll tell this we'll tell the story for sure about kind of the the high level of how it went down. But uh yeah, Jeff. So Jeff's our what was our kind of controller slash if I ran our whole back office really right from the day you started uh till kind of the day you left. But he's still here as a as a subcontractor doing that, we'll get into that. But uh, welcome to the show, bro. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to, uh, you know, this will be a little bit different of a topic than probably what most people are used to listening to, given uh, your background in, in uh, right, accounting and finance at the end of the day and, and staring at spreadsheets a lot of your your career and, and, and whatnot, right? So, yeah, why don't we start there, bro? Why don't you uh, give us uh, – I always like to start – you know, letting the audience know a little bit more about you. So why don't you you throw it down, give it give it to us raw and dirty. What's the what's yeah. the come up, bro? The come up. Um, I mean, the come. So I I grew up in the Philadelphia area. Um, you know, my two sisters. Um, let me let's cut that. You mind if we cut that? We can cut, we're not going to cut this. Keep going, but yeah, we'll cut it. We'll cut it for you. We'll right, cut we'll, it for you. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> no <cut it>. Tyler, <laughs> don't cut it. <laughs> Uh, I grew up in the Shout out Tyler, area. our editor. Don't cut this. <laughs> Tyler, cut it, please. Um, I grew up in the Philadelphia area. Um, you know, it was my kind of always grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My my dad owned a brokerage, or he owned a bunch of businesses growing up. Um, ultimately, by kind of the time I graduated high school, it was it was a brokerage. Um, he, you know, my mom was a nurse. Grew up with two sisters, two half brothers. And, um, you know, I was always, I guess, decent in school, pretty good at math. Um, didn't really like school or I guess do, I, I did pretty well just because I was, I was naturally decent at math and things like that. And that's what interested me. Um, so kind of coming into figuring out like, where should I go to college? What should I do post high school? I think I, I tried to fight with my parents for a while to, not even go to college. Wow, like, really? Yeah. I never knew that. That's cool. Yeah, because I was like, you know, I <laughs> go and spend all of this money and like, you know, my dad was in real estate. I see what you can do in real estate and I could get started immediately. Like I've kind of always had that entrepreneurial itch, I think. And I think some of that is, again, my family being in that space. My dad owns a brokerage. My brother owns a title mortgage company. Um, a lot of people self-employed in my family. And so I've kind of always gravitated to that and wanted to do that for myself. Um, but, you know, my parents won and I went to college. Um, it, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do when I was like a junior in high school. Um, I really wanted to kind of be a pilot and maybe go into the Air Force. I did this summer camp at the Air Force Academy. Um, but I was a little bit too wow. probably degenerate at the time to 
like go to the Air Force <laughs> and like there were certain habits that I had that I probably was at that point in my life yeah. wasn't going to some trainer working up at four in the morning wasn't gonna fly <laughs> yeah um so um so but but at the end of the day that was actually the path that I was going towards when I applied for college I didn't end up doing the Air Force Academy thing but um I was trying to do ROTC and again like and then so I'm looking at all the state schools, we came out, visited Pitt, really liked it and decided, hey, I really want to go here. Um, so I Shout out Pitt. Yeah. Um, I looked at Temple, Penn State, and Pitt. And Pitt um, didn't actually, they when I applied, I got into like Greensburg or Johnstown John, yeah, campus. Um, and I applied to be in the engineering program. Um, and... I could see that though in you. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I didn't really know, and so so. Anyways, I kind of wrote back to them. My uncle's a Pitt alum. He wrote me a letter. I got a letter from some teachers and stuff, and I was like, "Hey, I really want to do this Air Force ROTC thing, um, but your branch campuses don't have it. So can I come to Maine?" And they basically wrote back, and they were like, "Here's your options. You can go to those campuses and be in the engineering program." You can come to Pitt, Maine and come in undeclared in the School of Arts and Sciences, not in the engineering school, not in the business school at that point, um, or you can not come to Pitt. And so I was like, I'm going to go to Pitt and then see if I can get in once I'm there into the engineering school. So that's what I did. Smart, yeah. So I got into Maine campus Cross, cross the year. bridge, easiest easiest, uh, yeah. easiest path, right? That's, yeah. that's what we believe in at City Lab. I always talk about that. Yeah. And I really didn't want to go to, not that there's... Because once I you're just, in, right, it's easy to get transferred maybe yeah, after a year as long as you get good grades, which I didn't yeah. um, at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> as long but, as you meet the requirements yeah. at some point. Yeah, so, so but I did end up coming to Pitt uh, freshman year. And, yeah, I was, I was still probably a little too degenerate. To, like, I didn't know what, again, I was going to do. I thought maybe I was going to go into the engineering thing. I kind of quashed the ROTC thing right when I got there because yeah, maybe can't even get a up, little too hard. I can't even get up to go to class. I don't know you're going to get up to go yeah. fight in war. Yeah. So, um, so <laughs> I didn't know you had to go to college to go to war. <laughs> the ROTC <laughs> programs are huge at most colleges. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize that. Yeah. I think you come out as, you know, you come out as like a, a higher rank for, for sure. Any, yeah. Because yeah, like you go four years in the ROTC program. There's college, whatever, you go to regular classes, you yeah. come out, you're like a sergeant already yeah. or something, depending on if you're in the Army, the yeah. Navy, the Air Force. Yeah. I know I don't know. I'm literally talking out of my ass yeah, right now. Yeah, there's probably going to be a bunch of people that are like, you guys don't know what like the hell you you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, so I did it's that. It's uncensored, bro. We're allowed to yeah. say whatever we want. It's our story. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You actually run the Army if you go to ROTC. <laughs> And you don't have to go to war if you don't want to. Yeah. You got a you get a direct meeting every day with the president. Yep. They reimburse you your money to your college tuition. <laughs> I think they, they, it is for most yeah, it is for you. That's true. All hundred percent facts here on saying yeah. life uncensored. Yeah, but I didn't do that. Um I ended up <laughs> anyways. Yeah. I ended up getting terrible I think I got a two four my first semester in college. I did pretty bad too. Um, and that continued for the next like three semesters. I mean, I was trying, I was starting to come up a little, but so at that point, after maybe the first year, I was like, okay, I got to figure out, like I can't stay this undeclared shit. Um, and I ended up taking an accounting class like randomly and it's just the you know, intro to accounting, accounting one-on-one or whatever it was. Um, 
and like I didn't have to try. It was, it was I, I was engaged. I liked it, and I was pretty much I, I did really well in it without doing much work. And I, and again, like always, kind of without realizing that, hey, I want to be in business. I I think it kind of clicked for me then, and I was like, okay, I want to try and get into the business school, do accounting, um, and so sat down with an advisor. They were basically like, look, you need X GPA. I think it was 2.75 cumulative yeah. or something. So, so we got the grades up, got our accounting degree. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was, I mean, it was a struggle. I don't know if you remember the bomb threats at Pitt in like 2011 or 2012. No. So there was this whole slew of this guy, I think he ended up being from Ireland, this whole slew of bomb threats that he would just send these massive texts and be like, okay, cathedral learning, bomb threat, or, pow- or towers, bomb threat. And so that semester, it was, it was like the critical semester for me as well to hit this cumulative GPA. Like I needed to get this GPA to get this. And if I didn't get it, then I wasn't going to get into the business school. I was going to have to leave Pitt, all this stuff. Um, but those bomb threats really helped because all of our classes got like, canceled for the entire semester and like exams ended up being take home for finals and it was like 80 percent of your grade 4.0 baby (laughs) so that really uh helped me for sure yeah Um, so basically we got a dummy running our back office you do um (laughs) so who called in those bomb threats some dude like that some dude named jeff Jeff, jeff b yeah some guy from ireland that had some sort of like, hey, if we're still looking for the bomb threats of Pitt from 2012, <laughs> I think we've got our guy. Yeah, I, they found him. I think they. It was a while after that. It was a couple of years after. Yeah. So um, you got your shit together. Got my shit together. Got into the business school. Sat down with the advisor there, and we basically mapped out the next five semesters. He said, "Look, if you're going to do accounting, may as well do finance because you want to do the 150 credits. You should slap on a, se- a second major." It's like, okay, I don't like marketing. I don't like. Let me do finance. So I did the double major there. Literally for my last five semesters, since I screwed around so much in the first four, um, it was all accounting, finance, or business classes. Like I didn't have any gen eds. I did 15 to 18 credits of either two accounting, two finance, and one business class every single semester for five semesters. Ended up doing well. I was engaged. I liked it. Um, and I, you know, at that point, I was you know, starting to grow up a little bit, realizing, hey, get your shit together. Uh, but I didn't really have my shit together. Like, I didn't apply for internships until the very end. So I didn't get in any big four internships, anything like that. But um, I was on the path. So that was good. Then, yeah, it came time to kind of get a job. Again, I had I had one internship, like, the year before I graduated at Cisco uh, up in Zillianople. And um, that was about it. Luckily, this is where you come into play, Grant Thornton. Shout out, Quinny. Yeah. Grant Thornton was... <laughs> was starting like their Pittsburgh office and and needed people and they needed people to start in January. And luckily, since I was doing the 150 credits, you know, they, um, they needed people to start in January. I was graduating in December off kind of off peak and got a job in uh, at Grant Thornton public accounting, which started the same day as me. Right. Yeah. And, And that's where I met you. And that was, I mean, that was really fortunate because I probably shouldn't have, you know, based off what I did in college, gotten into a, a large accounting firm in the audit side. But luckily I did, and, and I think I came in there and crushed it because that was a thing for me to just take a step back like that. I've always really hustled in his work. Like, I'm, I, I've worked since I was 15, and I was working 
you know, at least 20 to 30 hours a week, literally from 15 all throughout college, everything like that's what I was always motivated by. Um, and I enjoyed doing more than like a lot of other things. So I yeah, right. Grind. I mean, for me, that always, I, I love that. That's why we always related so well together because for me it was, I don't know what I'm working for necessarily yet, but if I outwork every single person, I'm going to be smarter than everybody because work just equals education. Yeah. And so right up until I was pretty much 30 years old, I just said, as long as I outwork, I'll be good Yeah. because I'm going to be smarter than everybody. I was like, if I get 10 years working 80 hours a week to everybody's 10 years working 40, I've worked 20 hours, 20 years to their 10. Yep. I'm 10 years smarter than them. I've yep. got a much better shot at success. I literally have always thought of it the exact same way. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't care that you've been doing something for 10 years. If I've captured the same amount of experience and knowledge and hours in half that time, we should be at the same spot. What's that book, that 10,000 hour book to become an expert or whatever yeah. it is? I, I think that I don't, I don't, I haven't read Shout it. Shout out whoever wrote that yeah. jack off case. You can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I, say, shouts out. I didn't hear that. That one. is the rule of thumb that I believe. It's rule like 10,000 10, hours, hours to become an expert is what they say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to who's they? Yeah. We don't know they. So, yeah. but there is. I think it's somewhere right though, because like I was thinking about, I don't know, just reflecting on my 20s as I got into my 30s, and I'm like, okay, in my 20s is when I gained all my skills. Like, and I think that is really important in your 20s is to just like freaking accumulate as many skills as you can and get really freaking good at yeah. the skills you have, so you can really put them into execution in your 30s and 40s. Yeah. So. Right, you kind of fast forwarding a little bit here. So I started at Grant Thornton with with me. We worked together for uh, I don't know what two two and a half years. Kind of you know I started there as a manager, kind of tasked with really building out a little bit of the clientele for audit. We worked yeah. together. We ended up spending right fifty percent of our time up at State College on an oil and gas client. Yeah. You, you crushed it for me there, and then you you took a switch and decided you were going to move back out to. To, to Philly, right? To yeah. uh, Northern Philly, I yeah, believe. Like, uh, uh, Allentown. Allentown, yeah. North of Philly. I couldn't think of Allentown. So yeah. I, but uh, so that so give us so you took took a job at Shift Four there, and I know that's right. I people always talk about public accounting, and for all the accountants out there listening, because I know we have at least several thousand accountant subscribers to our account right now. <laughs> Shout out accountants, right? Public, accountants. Uh, public accounting is the grind, right? And a lot of people leave there to go to corporate America to kind of stabilize their life and get yeah. a better work-life balance. You know, we've always talked about it. And before you came to City Life, you took a job at Shift 4 and it, like, did not happen that way. It went the other way where it was like I wasn't even working. I was working more the entire yeah. time there than public accounting. Yeah. So give us a little bit of that experience with Shift 4, right, and what it's like to kind of be in an insanely fast-growing company that ultimately goes public, which shout-out Shift 4 and everything they're building. I know you're super close to everyone still there. And, yeah. Um, you know, super excited for their future. So why don't you give us a little bit of a in, look into that, right? And then I'd like to transition over to kind of your started city life and where you're at now, man. Yeah, no, perfect. Um, and the reason we moved to to Allentown was because while I was at Grant Thornton, my wife was in PA school. We met in college. We actually both worked at Jimmy John's and met there. Jimmy John's um, shout out. Let's go. Went on Forbes. Um, she always tells the story that we met because we we're both reaching for the lettuce at the same time. And our hands. Uh, is that real? Not, I like it. Not real at all. <laughs> I mean, if you're not gonna pass that sandwich or Jimmy John's, you gotta get in there. Yeah. Dude, it was like 40 years later. My parents still told a story about how my dad was flirting my mom. But you remember, you know, like corn crawlers or like puffs or whatever. They like throwing those in my mom's drink at the, at the bar. <laughs> 
Like, is that real? Like, no one really knows. Yeah. It's just their story. Um, yeah. So, but then she, when she, she was going to school out there. And so when she graduated, that was kind of the network. She really wanted to be in pediatric ER. So that was where she got a job. And that's when I decided to leave Grant Thornton and go to ship four. At the time it was called Harbor Touch Payments. It was, um, it was really kind of in the come up. They were in their second PE firm going through the second I got there, it was kind of, I mean, it's been crazy. Like Jared Isaacman, if forever doesn't know him, it is insane. I have so much respect for this guy and what he's been. Able how do we to figure out how to tag him and on social with a with a short form yeah. film of what you just said? Yeah, he's uh, amazing and just I mean, Jared. What up, dog? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, how it, much more can we throw Jeff yeah, off yeah. in the middle while he's talking? <laughs> You're good. Um, but you know. And so the second I got there, um, we were going through, and it's a credit card processing company. So there is a lot of, there was a big project going on to kind of switch the sponsor bank, which is a big thing in credit card processing industry. So that was like literally day one. I think my first day was, that was kicking off. And I was really involved with that. Then we started acquiring companies. How many Um, companies did you acquire while you were there? I think nine. And you were, you were mainly handling a lot of kind of like the consolidations and the accounting and my role changed over time. There actually came in on the finance team, um, because after leaving public, I I wanted to get some of that FP and a and finance experience It ended up turning into more like financial ops because that's where they really needed the help. And then I ended up collaborating a ton with the accounting team because in everything that I was doing, like. Ultimately, I just took it to the finish line to build out the journal entries and, and support the accounting team because that's what I knew how to do. And that's literally the world I was coming from. Like, I just figured, hey, gotta, you know, we got to book this. Um, so so I ended up collaborating. At which, is, which is, for all of those that aren't really familiar with back office and how it all works, right? You have kind of finance ops, which is, this is how we're thinking about everything. This is why we should be doing what we're doing. And then the nuts and bolts of the bookkeeping side of it is, well, how does that thing get to our books and records so it's there forever? Yep. And the key to that is when you have someone that understands both sides of it, it makes that world so much easier because when you have finance ops, it's, hey, how are we really thinking about doing the work? And then in the accounting is, shit, we just got to get in a record. Sometimes it's hard to correlate it to. We have those. We, I mean, literally last week we were sitting there and that was fun for me. I remember talking about it because I was back. I literally had Excel's full of journal entries yeah. that I created, obviously extremely quick and whatever, yeah. and we're staring at them. Um, but it's like, that fundamental piece and having a brain that could do both. I'm sure. I mean, obviously, right. That's why you were so sought after at shift four, because like that was huge and it's hard to do. Right. I yeah. mean, yeah, there was the experience I had with that financial ops team, like really let me learn about how that business actually runs and what that industry is, the credit card processing industry. Um, and so that was awesome. But again, I was supporting the accounting team a lot. And the assistant controller at the time, you know, we got close and I was helping her a lot. And then she ultimately decided to leave because she got recruited back from a prior job. And so luckily, and you know, Gail, another shout out, the CAO over there. Who was shout out Gail. My boss, uh, Gail Miller. And she's Gail always, Miller, sorry. She's, uh, <laughs> but she, you know, she brought me on for that role. It was, I feel like I almost didn't get it, but then I came in there and, and then that's where really my time on the accounting side um, started to, you know. I, so I manage, so managing roll-ups of acquisitions, right, and then ultimately helping, right, yeah. go public. I was pretty much managing 
the entire team. It grew to like over 30 people on the accounting team. And by the end, you know, I kind of was able to get a couple of promotions throughout and work my ass off. I ended up before I came to city life was uh, VP of accounting there. Um, That was overseeing all consolidations, all GNA, all SEC reporting, um, kind of the whole gamut of of the accounting. So, so obviously amazing job and an incredibly company with a lot of amazing people growing fast. Yeah. Freaking world, your, your oyster, right? Like, and then all of a sudden this jag off comes along and six months worth of conversations. And all of yeah. a sudden you move to Pittsburgh and you're working at city life yeah, what, for wild. you, for you, what was that? What was that thought thinking like, and what was that thought process and how did you ultimately get there? Because there's probably a lot of people out there and we talk about this all the time, right? I always talk about chasing happiness yep. and the idea of, Right. You had all of that, but you weren't fulfilled. You weren't happy. You didn't see that as your future. Yeah. And most people never, ever will end up making the jump. You didn't ultimately make the full jump to where you wanted to be, but you took the path. And we talked about that. I made you, I made you promise me you'd give me longer than you did. (laughs) That's okay. Cause we're working it out, but right. Like you kind of had that vision. And so you took the path, you know, a different path than most because you took another job, you moved cities before you, yeah. became an entrepreneur we'll get into but uh what was that like for you man yeah no and, and you know just to speak to like i was certainly fulfilled there i mean it was an amazing experience it was just that i've always like i said at the beginning like i've kind of always had this entrepreneurial niche while i was there and i was keeping it like extremely confidential and it started as just helping friends and then it kind of just through doing more like became a little bit more formalized i was doing some bookkeeping on the side for friends and family and their companies. And so, but I always kept that super confidential because I didn't want it to look like, Hey, I wasn't putting my full effort into shit for when, when they're providing me a ton of opportunity. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, ultimately we, we had the conversation. I Shut think, out nobody on that. Maybe we should cut. No, we won't yeah. cut it, but yeah, that, that, that was gone through my head. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Nothing. Nothing. Keep going. I need to. I can shout somebody out if you need me to. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it was basically I was doing all this stuff in the background the entire time while working yeah. there. I mean, I, I mean, they don't. Get, no one's going to give a crap yeah. because of the work you performed. Yeah. I mean, I know that because I know the you conversations yeah. you're still I mean, having I with them. Yeah. Yeah. Side hustle, like a lot of people. Do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's hustle, that's the biggest yeah. key, right? Like, and we talk about it all the time. You don't have to go full blown do what I did or do what Brian did, where you're entrepreneur your whole life, or do what I did, yeah. where I got fired and had to go. Yeah. There's ways you do side hustles to build it up. You're right, you go get a job at a place that's teaching you what you want to do yeah. in order to get there. There's a lot of ways. So I don't think there's anything wrong. I kind of was just yeah. being a jag off like <laughs> I am good at doing. I mean, yeah, and I was more risk averse too. Like I didn't want to, like I wanted to, but like I knew myself, like I. Yeah, you're scared. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Like I didn't yeah. want to put my family at risk. I didn't want to, you know. And so my goal was always, well, let's see how much I can build this up to the point where I can get comfortable enough to make the jump. Um and at the, you know, so I think that, um, where was I headed with this? Kind of the shift to city, you were asking about the shift to city life. And, and uh, yeah, we had had conversations a couple times. We had gone down the path a couple times and I ultimately was like, it's not the right time. I'm still learning a ton here. And, you know, it's, it just wasn't the right time. And then ultimately that conversation started that ultimately got me here was I reached out to you for some advice on a deal we were doing down yeah. in Florida said, Casey, can you help me structure this? I had this really shitty structure. And, you know, you were like, dude, 
make it easy, structure it like this. And, and, and then we started talking and um, I kind of filled you in on everything at that point and told you what my path was and the journey that I was on. And Casey has a way of, of convincing people to, uh, to do things. And, um, but it worked because for me, it was, it was that next step. It was like, okay, I can take a little bit of risk that I'm comfortable with that gets me more in the right mindset of, of what I, what I want to do, be around people who are doing it and kind of still have a W2 income and, and, you know, some stability and know that, Hey, tomorrow the money coming into my bank account is not going to shut off, but get out of the path that I was on, which I think was ultimately kind of CFO public company, which was kind of the path that I was working towards. Yeah. We got, I got a lot, lot to unpack there. So trying to think through that, but I I really want to get to a point that you touched on, uh, right. That near and dear to everyone's heart in America, certainly to yours and, and Brian eyes and everybody's right of, you know, that, that deal that you mentioned, right. Was literally a four unit complex in Fort Myers, Florida. Yep. And right. And so, you know, you're working on this deal. I helped you restructure, get it the right way. You went into it with your whole family, both, you know, your parents and your in-laws. So, you know, so it was a family thing, right. You guys have already had a place down in Fort Myers and you wanted to get more. You're a big fan of Fort Myers and obviously, right. We we've had some devastation in Fort Myers. So, um, and this is obviously recently you got went through with that deal. You had it, you went down there spending weeks at a time down there, fixing it up. Family was down there a ton working on uh, this fourplex, right. Yeah. Which is ultimately the deal. So uh, I, I want to stop there and kind of turn it back over to you with, with that in mind of like, you know, what happened and where you at with that situation, knowing the hurricane kind of took out right. 95% of all <laughs> four Myers. That was yeah. hurricane Ian to clarify. Right? Yeah. yeah. Hurricane Ian's. Fuck was- you. Ian. <laughs> Screw you, Ian. I agree. There's a lot of people out there saying that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was wild. We were actually down there at the time. Um, and the the way we even got into Fort Myers Beach or why we did was because Amber's parents have been going down there for a really long time. They had a condo. Um, they ultimately sold that, bought a house on the beach. And then at the, this was 2020. And for some, you know, interest rates were low and, um, for some reason, you know, I don't know. At that point, houses were pretty reasonably priced there. And so this place literally right next door to them went up for sale. Amber's like, we should buy that. I'm like, I don't think we can. He's like, well, if we sell the Dormont, I had a duplex in Dormont that I bought right after college. Um, like, well, if we sell. Dormont, I remember that too. We, I helped you work yeah. through thinking through whether you sell yeah. it, rent it, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that was sweet. That was my first kind of. That was my first property. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in it, you know, house hacked or whatever. I was going to say house hacked for sure. Yeah. And then once we moved out to By Florida, the way, just... house hacking is the most underrated <laughs> tool amazing. in the world yeah. for people to do. Like, if you don't know where to get started, but you have a couple bucks, go buy a house for 3% yeah. down, Yeah, fix it, and then figure out a way to turn that into with a normal job, right? Yeah. You, can, you, you can have moving a moving your friends in or anything like yeah. that, especially if you're in your twenties. Yeah, you're already living. Most people are living with roommates or yeah. used to doing that. Or yeah, even. and they're paying freaking fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars yeah. a month to live in these rentals. Well, that was the yeah, reason I even insane. bought the duplex in, in Dormont because I got the job at Grant Thornton, and I'm like, where am I going to live? I'm not going to live in Oakland anymore. At least it's expiring. I don't get it, like, you know. And and so all these places that I was looking at studios for like fifteen hundred bucks a month. I bought that place for 164. Yeah. And and my tenant upstairs was paying 90% of all my expenses. Yeah. <laughs> and What'd you sell it for? 
250. How many years later? Uh, two. <sighs> there yeah. you go. Sounds like a little come up. Yeah, it was not. I mean, that, that's the only reason. Should we have done we his were... whole come up with that one sentence? <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason we were able to buy the Fort Myers Beach single family. Look, it, look, at the end of the day, it helped you money-wise, but it's life-changing mindset-wise. Yeah. That's yeah. the key to all yeah. of this. When when you get in and you try something and you realize it works and it yeah. wasn't that hard, yeah. the fear of the unknown is gone. Yep. Holy shit, it just opens up so many doors yeah. mentally for all of us. Yeah. yeah, I mean, buying your first property in general, like I think a lot of people just think it's it's such a big decision. Yeah. You accomplish that pretty early. Yeah. So getting that kind of out of the way early, too, allows more like more investment opportunity. Yeah, for sure. So we ended up putting a contingent offer on the place in Florida, which like you can't do, maybe now you can, but for the past couple of years, contingent offers were, yeah. you know, but, and he accepted it. We sold the duplex. Actually the first buyer fell through because my tenant upstairs, like we won't get into that, but yeah, second buyer came through, we sold it. We closed on that place and immediately the values there just started going through the roof. So I got really lucky that when I bought Dormont, values were going up. And then when I bought that, it was still, it was like at the height or what I thought was the height of the Pittsburgh market. But then the, that Florida market hadn't blown up yet. Second we bought it, that blew up. And then, so we got a ton of equity in that and took out a heat lock on it. What's, it, what's a heat lock? Home equity line of credit. Okay. And so I didn't want so to it's basically taking basically taking, Hey, I have a mortgage on a property yeah, and the value is right. So maybe you have 80% or 85 or 90, whatever you do when you buy a traditional home that you're living in. Yeah. Right. And then the value goes up. And so you have more equity in the home and you go and get a line of credit and yeah. basically say, Hey, look, you know, if the home's worth 200, I might have a loan on it for 120. A bank's willing to lend you another 40 or $50,000 in second position to take your debt on that home up to 70% of the market value or whatever exactly. it is. And you can use that cash to go invest everywhere else. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And it's like a line of credit, which is nice because it's revolving. If you're not you using it, you it. don't have to pay for yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, you know, we, we renovated the single family. It was awesome. Then we were like, hey, let's get another one. We found the fourplex. We were like, let's do this. It's a lot closer to where all the happenings are. Um, so that was awesome. We were renovating that. Um, we were ready for literally January to come so we could launch that Airbnb. And uh, and then Ian hit <laughs> our, our single family and my in-laws right next door, both wiped to the ground. So they're just no longer there. We have concrete slabs sitting there we do have an ocean view now though because all the houses on the beach <laughs> also i should not laugh <laughs> so where your house is stored like your plot of land so so if we're taking if we're taking positives from ian ian created an ocean view yeah. for brunt for jeff's slabs of cement so your slab of land went up yeah temporarily there's Temporary. uh there's an ocean view until everybody rebuilds um and and then the fourplex stood but there was water up to about six inches from the ceiling and you know we were like everything was brand new in that in, in the box cabinets refrigerator like for four units everything and just got you know so now we're dealing with that but you know what's the uh city, what is yeah what is uh four unit down there we paid about? we paid 890 for that which was a good deal okay. like i think there were single families 890 for a slab of land yeah the single family <laughs> the single family we bought for 325 yep and by the time like now, if, if Hurricane Ian hadn't hit, there were houses on our street that had sold in the past couple of months in the seventh and eighths. Wow. In two years, which is insane. 
Yeah, that's a, that's crazy. Bro. It's literally insane. So basically, Hurricane Ian wiped out a seven hundred thousand dollar property in one storm. That yep, completely flooded another one. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the a fourplex. Yeah, a fourplex. block from the beach. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's still there, but I'm like the fourplex is there. We we're making good progress. It's hard to find construction people right now down there, and people who are kind of price gouging. Um, But we got the electric done already, and we're we're about to hopefully get somebody to come in and bang out the rest of it. Hoping, I mean, it's going to be a different market, but there's there's for sure demand down there because maybe before it was vacationers, now it's going to be homeowners that need to look over their rebuilds or. You know, people who don't have a house anymore because there were residents down there as well that lived there full time. So, yeah, I mean, like, what one thing that I'll just say, right? This is kind of how you approach everything with your humbleness and just kind of like, all right, here we go, we keep going. I couldn't imagine losing an entire single family home, pretty much completely losing. I get it; the structure is still there, but it's basically a full renovation now for a fourplex. You just got done renovating, and it's. <laughs> laughing and like oh it is what it is we're gonna keep going like i'd be i'd be punching walls like two months later i'd still be punching walls like but you can't do anything like it kind of goes back to like you can only control what you can control and things that are outside of your control you can't freaking control them so i don't want that and I've, i've gone through a journey in my own mind to like get there and watch a lot of people do it successfully and it's like yeah that's kind of what i've tried to because if this happened seven or eight years ago my reaction would be much different but i think i've again kind of gone through a journey that i'm like okay it's not in my control like what's the next step because now we we have this it's part of something that is in my scope of shit that i need to think about and execute on so that's what i'd rather consume my time with yeah that's great i mean i think if anybody took anything from any of this it's right there it's like look you can only control what you can control you have to be able to focus just on that and stop worrying about anything that you can't control. Yeah. It just consumes brain power yeah. to do nothing. Yeah. Let's focus on what we can focus on and control and go after and attack that. And that's what we're doing, right? I mean, and on top of that, too, I mean, it's you're talking a $900,000 property. This isn't like this was handed to you from like no. family down. It's something you we, spent a lot of time. You earned, you earned, you hustled to earn that property we extended ourselves pretty good to buy this like we you know we we took a big risk in buying this with the assumption that if we get it done like we're gonna make a ton of money this year that'll you know we'll be fine and um yeah so we did (laughs) we did take a big risk on that and you know it's part of real estate investing and like you still have the perfect mindset for it you're still yeah, they're still actively wanting to buy properties. You're still going to yeah. get that property to the finish line. So, yeah, man, that's cool. And you know, he just sent, I, sent me he sent me one yesterday to help him think through. Yeah, yeah. Which I have spent a little time on it last night. Nice. I did. I just haven't got yeah. a chance to talk about it with nice. you. <laughs> when I told Casey about the the hurricane, he's like, "Yeah, that's why you invest in the Rust Belt." But like, kind of good. <laughs> that's why <laughs> does not get yeah. affected by. Worst we get is back in a two whatever that tornado we was, that which was that was a risk going yeah. in as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's you, you got to know what your risks are and get comfortable with them. Like a hurricane wiping that out is a risk going in, and now. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a perfect transition right in the conversation too. Right, obviously, between that happening for you, being real, being a big part of your life, combined with, right, really getting your eyes truly open to what the entrepreneurial world it looks like and can look like through seeing the success City Life has had, yeah. right? We were going through a little bit of transition in our operational companies, doing some different things, 
And right, that's when you kind of came to me and said, Hey, look, I've got this going on down in Fort Myers. I've lost, you know, a significant piece of everything that I had going on in my personal world from an entrepreneurial standpoint. I've yeah. been building this thing in the background. Yeah. And uh, I think it's potentially time to, to make a move here. And so what's that look like for you? And if you can, because I know the story, shout out like hindsight's twenty twenty, So it's easy for me to help you along with this piece of it. But you know, what's the plan for you now? And, and how has, right. I'll just give a quick shout out to Kent and boardroom and Scone escape. How has that helped you get there faster between city life and then being a part of those events with us? Yeah. Get you to where you're at now with, you know, the Fort Myers and what you want to do down there as part of this bigger picture for you. Yeah. Like how did you get to where you're at now and, and give us a little insights into kind of like subledge, which is uh, Jeff's company that he, that he spun off here in the last, you know, call it month. Yep. Right. It's, I guess about a month, even though you had it for a while, but, um, right. Give, give us some more on, on that and how Fort Myers has really played a piece in, into, into what you're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a couple of like major perspective shifts since I left shift four and even some of the time while I was there, but for sure, since I left kind of coming in, seeing what you guys, you know, really getting under the hood here at City Life and seeing what you guys have been able to accomplish. Um, especially, you know, we have similar backgrounds and similar career backgrounds. So, you know, to be able to kind of see from somebody who's a friend and a mentor kind of take that that journey and be super successful at it. Um, and then also, you know, you, you took me to boardroom in Chicago. It, yeah, it was a mistake. Now we lost you. <laughs> and you know, I, I continued Scaled to especially literally yeah. escape. I would yeah. be correct. As I got out of that corporate grind, like, and then got more into everything that's going on here, the mindset, your mindset, Kent's mindset, everybody's mindset who's involved in those rooms. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, there is a path here and, and it's maybe not as risky as, or it's achievable. You know what I mean? And you could always go get a job tomorrow. That's kind of, and yeah. And at the time, like, that's the biggest difference with our backgrounds and yeah. the backgrounds of corporate America. If you had that success, you could always go back to yeah. that. And I, that's kind of what like helped me make my decision. Cause at the time too, I mean, I think I told you and I don't, I won't get into this too deep, but like, I was, I was actively being, trying to be recruited back to shift four and, you know, would have solved a lot of our problems that we're dealing with right now. But I think I was ultimately like Amber and I had a lot of conversations like, I don't know, man, it's, I know, I know exactly what that looks like. And if I do that, I'm going to kill what I was trying to build here with subledge. Um, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to have that regret when I'm, you know, seven years. Uh, just, just to quickly summarize what happened. Long story short, you had an incredibly great, amazing job. You left it, took a pay cut, came to an entrepreneurial environment, got your eyes opened up, lost five of your units that you had in Fort Myers through a hurricane, lost all of the income and rental income from that after just taking a pay cut within the same year, mm -hmm. being offered a lucrative job to go back to where you were. Not only did you say no to that, not only did you leave your steady income, you left all of that to create a brand new company after all of that going on. Talk about taking risk though. Yeah. Like when we talk about it, you can go get a job, but like, like really give me the mindset. I want to really understand the mindset of how you were able to justify and do it. Yeah. I mean, so for sure, 
like full disclosure, we could be watching this in six months and it could have been the worst decision, but like maybe my, my mind is clouded, but I feel like I have clarity. And the mindset is really just like, Amber and I have been, I don't want to say manifesting our lives or what we want it to be, but you know, we've, we've kind of been trying to figure out really since COVID when I started working remotely and we realized the flexibility that we could have there to be, you know, and Amber's family is in Pittsburgh, mine's in Philly, and we have these properties in Florida. Like, we want to put time into all of that stuff. And it's so the the life that we want to create for ourselves, which is freedom of movement, um, you know, have enough to hopefully have a sailboat um, and do some really cool things that we've been wanting to do and working towards for the past you know, several years, like the mindset, how I justified it is like, this is the path, which I've always known. And I think just been a little too fearful mm-hmm. to like really get there and have control of my time um, and be able to, you know, hopefully make enough that we can do all of the things that we want to do in life. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And for the record, uh, if we watch this in six months, you're not going to fail number one, because of your own grit and determination. Number two, like you could have it here for me as a friend, like, as a, I'm not going to let you fail. So you're not, it's, it's, it's not happening, especially being the one that, uh, you know, to get into details a little bit, pretty much burned the bridges behind you and quote unquote, when you were thinking about it, yep. saying, no, you're doing it and I'm making you do it because I'm cutting your paycheck. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, so you're not going to have yep. a choice at this point. Yeah. And to, that all transpired. Make, again, like it was a five days, hours. but again, it was, it was a lot of conversations. Like, I mean, look, we probably in one day had six hours worth of sitting there talking through it all because yep. I really just wanted to make sure I understood the plan that you had in place and yeah. really build out of all that to make sure you were ready yeah. in order to know. Cause I knew I had the power as your employer to yeah. be able to control the situation for you Yeah, somewhat in that, Hey, I can make you do it. Even, Cause if you're not hundred percent there, like, yeah. fire me. you know, thinking back to when I, like I got fired, there was no choice. I didn't want to go back to corporate America and I yeah. got fired. So the boats were both the boats as they call were burned behind me. Yeah. I was able to effectively burn the boat behind you, yeah. but leave, right. Pull my boat up as a sailboat and say, Hey, we've got you as a 1099 still. So you're already set yeah. with incredibly good customers to really launch your business. Yeah. Right. Like, um, anyways, it was, it was the whole concept of, Hey, let's make sure that he's ready when he's ready. Boom. Yeah. Out loud, he's, now he's going after yeah, it and you, and you won't fail. I think when I told you originally, the first, like, my first response said, you got to go take the job at shift four, yeah. <laughs> like at a full disclosure. And then we talked for six hours, yeah. uh, which would have screwed us the most out of anything. But I, you know, it was what was, I thought at the time was going to be best for you. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people. I mean, you just lost five units in Fort Myers. You lost all that income. You lost everything, and they're they were they're making you. That just seemed yeah. That that's probably seemed most steady because every all that stuff happened within and six months. Yeah. Like you moved. Uh, like every little aspect of that happened within six months. Yeah. The easy response would be going back and doing that, but yeah. Not, and and not again, still like the time I was super the fulfilled there. Like it was challenging. The team was amazing. You know, we it was. Everything like I can't say one bad thing about my experience. There was, and you're amazing. still in relationships with all of them, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I was at a happy hour with them uh, a week ago when nice. we were out filming yeah. um, with the whole accounting team. So, but ultimately, it wasn't going to get us where we wanted to be. And it's like, I need to at least take the path here, especially now that I'm in my 30s. Like, this is the time to, you know, if I'm going to make a difference in my life, my family's life, like got to go after it and can't just do it half-assed and like try and side hustle it's like no let's just go so what is subledge and what is the goal what's the mission what's the plan what's the point yeah so subledge you know we're we're if you really wanted to boil it down right now we are 
a really, really good bookkeepers. <laughs> you know, we, we, our goal is to provide insight, peace of mind and understanding to business owners, because there's so many business owners out there that, and this has kind of always been my philosophy. There's so many business owners out there that don't know what is going on in their numbers. They don't know how to do it, but they're trying to do it alone. They don't know how to interpret it, but they're trying to interpret it like, and they're not clean. They're not using best practices. And ultimately a lot of times or pretty much all the time, their time should is better spent doing what's actually driving revenue to the business. And this is what we're really good at. You know, myself, between all of the stuff we talked about, about my background, I, I've run small companies all the way up to public companies and been an auditor of public companies. So um, my background in building processes and teams um, and just general accounting, plus now I've brought on my right-hand man that was, he left Shift 4 before I recruited him, so I didn't steal him from Shift 4. But I uh, just brought on my right-hand man, and we've got a couple other people on the team um, that we're really freaking good at getting you your numbers quick and in a way that you can consume them and make decisions. And ultimately, if you have timely and accurate financials, um, you're better equipped to make decisions. And that's kind of my whole goal. So we're trying to touch as many business owners as we can, kind of focusing in that real estate vertical um, between investors brokerages, construction companies, property management, the whole real estate vertical, really. Um, and then also doing some stuff with agents and personal financials, but really just being able to provide um, that peace of mind and, and that understanding of what the heck is going on in your business from professional professionalizing your back office, ultimately. Yeah, I love that. And I'm going to try and, and bring this point home by, by tossing it over to BK. Thinking back, BK, right, to really before we partnered, and not everybody can find business partners that have totally unique skill sets, but the same mindset that we got really lucky in doing when we started where we started to where we're at now. I, like, imagine if you would have had that type of company to be able to do that for you back before I was around and kind of took over quickly that back office, right? Because I remember the disaster that I walked into and in my first three months was fixing all of your bullshit as a consultant, really. Solid. Solid numbers. Yeah, but like, yeah. think about how important that is, right? As an entrepreneur that literally doesn't care about that stuff, just wants to go create. Like, this ain't creating. This is, it is for Jeff because that's what he loves to do, right? But like for you, like you, yeah, you before, still don't even look at a bank account. It's been three years. Yeah, before before you even started talking there, that was going to be the what I was going to bring up. Like, obviously, from like an entrepreneur and any like even just as a real estate investor, you have it so you wear so many different hats yeah. uh, and it's hard. That's hard to scale from like prop. Like whenever you only have seven, eight properties yeah. and you're running around as an agent, just doing different things in the real estate world, you have so many transactions happening yep. uh, from the stores, all the materials, all the subcontractors you're paying. Some of your paying cash. Some of your, it's so hard to keep all that organized. Yeah. If we're doing cuts, we might want to cut the paying cash. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Keep going. Cash is king, baby. <laughs> We don't pay cash anymore. It's too too complicated. Yeah. These guys complicated that part. But, <laughs> but, but, more more <laughs> less legalized and legitimized it, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, having a company like from a consulting, if somebody would have came to me, which ultimately Casey basically did, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's how we partnered. Having somebody to take over that back office or having somebody just eliminate that stress, those fears, and just give you numbers yeah. is, it's insane. It's insanely valuable because all those pieces of every transaction of like, if you're an agent, you have marketing to spend, you have yep. 
30 different apps you're running at at once. You have all these different pieces. So your brain is already super cluttered. So whenever you add numbers to that, you clutter it even more. Yeah. And the investing side, probably even more than that, because you have, again, you have numbers, you have rent checks, you have uh, contractors, you have um, utilities, taxes, you name it. It's yep. again, it's a bunch of clutter that just weighs you down. So I always recommend to anybody who can get rid of their burden of accounting especially if you're a creator yeah do it so i think whatever you're creating right now like w with that company is going to be absolutely amazing and obviously having you run our back office for a little while i know your skill set so yeah. i know you're going to be amazing at it yeah F funny story is to bk and i i think you probably know this or maybe not but when i first came to you to manage your say hey i know you can't do bookkeeping and you're a mess because you're out here creating all this all of these transactions at the end of the day that you have no idea how to corral on the back end. Jeff and I had actually talked and we had started what was called Eclipse yeah. <laughs> Eclipse Advisory Services, yeah. I believe, yeah. because yeah. it was when I got fired. Like, well, shit, what am I good at? I'm good at back office. I'm good at bookkeeping. I'm good at helping scale business. Let's go. And oh, by the way, I know I learned in where we were previous that like entrepreneurs don't know bookkeeping and right. I do, and I could really help them. So I was like, Oh, by the way, I know Brian, I know he's kind of starting to do his own little thing here. Let me go help him. Right. Ultimately before we partnered and grew, you know, grew city life to what it is today. Right. But that was, that was the plan because we know like we could help right. So many people when we were there and that's, you know yeah. what I mean? Kind of. And we've talked about a little bit, like thinking through about how, if I can come on as buy into the business or whatever, come on as an advisor and, uh, whatever. And we'll, I'm sure figure that out as we go, who knows, but, um, yeah, super excited to watch you grow that business and start to really help small business, which is ultimately going to help, um, you know, a lot of people grow a lot of real estate agents, help the industry, uh, obviously kind of plugging you into a lot of what we have going on here. We know a lot of entrepreneurs, so we're excited to see, uh, see you really, I mean, like, look, we have, we're, we're having a meeting today with our agents. It's a no brainer for them to start using you. There's so many write-offs. There's understanding your numbers is by far the most important thing in business, in my opinion. And, you know, agents are out there running around doing transactions. They always leak, let go of the business side of it and the, the accounting side of it. And it's like, if you just understood your numbers, you could do so much better, so much faster. Uh, so super excited for that, man. Yeah. You can make better decisions and p entrepreneurs don't get into business to be accountants. They're not good at it, <laughs> yeah. you know, but like they can understand, obviously, like they, they know, but it's like when you get really down in the rabbit hole of recording, setting up the processes to actually consume the information and spit it out in a way that's meaningful that you can understand, like it's a pain in the ass, you know, but I've spent the past 10 years getting really good at it. <laughs> yeah. And the, other, and the other thing too, that people like underestimate is extremely hard. Number one, to find a good partner that has the mindset that entrepreneurs have, but have the skill set of back office, yeah. right? And then number two, it's really hard to hire people that really understand and can run a back office. Yeah. Like, especially like I talk to people all of the time, my good friends, partners in some of our real estate deals, like I have to help them interview because they just don't understand what they're looking for to find good talent in yeah. the back office. I mean, a lot of, I mean, you know that I always end up telling you, Hey, I'm talking to X about how to help them. Yeah. Yeah. I just, a good friend from down in Baltimore just yeah. asked me, I sent over the our, I mean, literally, it was our job description when we were looking for, you know, a controller back in the day. I sent that to him and said, I'll help you, you know, which I think, obviously, it's a conversation we need to have to send to see if he wants yes. to utilize you. But uh, it just happened. To hit on, too, 
the point you just made there about kind of finding a good partner and all of that, like that is our whole goal and all of this. Like I, I mentioned before kind of what my background was and the team that we're building's background was is like I've seen from day one all the way through operating as a public company and been really involved in all of that shit. And so like what we're really trying to be here is a partner that can professionalize everything for you and build it so that it's ready for your next steps of scale and mm-hmm. still be, and you're not going to outgrow us because we've done all of this. So we're really just throughout your journey as an entrepreneur and throughout your journey as a business owner, really just continuing to make sure that your back office is where it needs to be for that stage of your business and continue to be a partner throughout the whole time. I, I, and I told you this, right? You're, you're not selling bookkeeping services. No. You're selling the idea to eliminate fear of the unknown. That's the sale. Yep. That's what someone's buying. And if they know that and they buy that, yeah. it's going to change their life yeah. without a doubt. And that's what people need to realize when it comes to accounting, bookkeeping, understanding what's happening in your numbers to know. We've gone through periods of time where we didn't know things. And Brian always says, I'm flying dark, right? I need to know the numbers in order to understand that. And that's yeah. coming from Brian who doesn't look at bank accounts. Yeah. That to me, like really stresses the importance of if you know your numbers, and you're a smaller business looking to scale, it's invaluable. And we're talking about, we're going to do close to 20 million in revenue this year at yeah. City Life. Yeah. And right, seeing and understanding small pieces of all that is so important. That's where we're at. But imagine if you're doing a million dollars, or you're just an agent doing $400,000 a year in yeah. commission, yeah. understanding where all of those costs are coming in is insanely important. Yeah. Yep. So what, uh, right, where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself in five years, bro? Um, in five years, you know, we'll, I'll have a, uh, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. We have nice. Uh, yeah, we didn't get too much in the family, but congrats. Yeah, we got um, a two-year-old right now and, and one on the way in two weeks. Um, but ultimately, I see, you know, I see myself really running this company and uh, hundreds or thousands of clients that we're supporting, um, that we're delivering for, and um, yeah, I mean, a combination of all of Pennsylvania. You know, from geographically between, I would, I would love to, my, where were you going to be living? If I had to manifest it, like I would have our house here in Pittsburgh that we probably won't sell anytime that it would just have it, that we can spend weeks on end here. Some sort of house in Philly that we can spend weeks on end with my family. And then our place. Eagles suck. <laughs> Eagles. Yeah. Nine and one right now. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> Um, and a sailboat like that's really that's that is my like a a nice sailboat that we can go down to the Bahamas and that's why geographic sailboats scare me bro like the idea that the way that they what's it called where you nod or or whatever that's on a a monohull I think we'd probably go it's called keeling but we'd probably go uh, catamaran it's like what I really love those are more stable yeah it's got two holes that's where we rode that in Belize yeah one okay. of those because you can, yeah, that's what yeah. So you can still sail, but you're not yeah. like totally toned over. Yeah. And I'd love to be able to, you know, spend some time in Florida, go down to the Bahamas for a week or two, work because, you know, Elon Musk, you got Wi Fi everywhere. That's that's the life that I'm trying to. I'm not build. giving a shout out to Elon. He <laughs> got Starlink. He doesn't need it. He's good. <laughs> Starlink is also good. <laughs> well, the dude's putting uh, people on Mars. He doesn't yeah. need my shout out. Yeah. But shout out, Elon. Yeah, one of those people Smart. is probably going to be Jared. <laughs> by yeah. The way. I love that. 
What uh, right? I always like to end it on on one piece here, and it, it's extremely important to me because right, people to listen to the end deserve to hear this. What's the best advice you can give anybody out there listening right now? Um, grind like as hard as you can without compromising the time you want to put in the other buckets in your life, such as family or recreational. Um, I think like I'll say like I casually pull all night or sometime or like three or four a.m. nights, but I like to do that because I I know that that's when everybody's sleeping and I'm not. I, I need to do that, but also I'm still there with my family when I need to be. Um, so like work your ass off, I think is, is a big thing. Like it'll just get you really far in a lot of different ways. You'll learn stuff. You'll be recognized, um, work your ass off, but be intentional about how much time you're putting into work and, you know, make sure you're putting enough time into the other buckets of your life. Um, and if I could do one more, like seek mentorship, uh, mentorship for me has been, a huge thing that's helped me get clarity in life and get success. You know, you have been a great friend and mentor to me. Gail has been a great mentor to me over the years. I have a couple others and, and even people, maybe you don't know people who can be your mentors, but with YouTube, like, I mean, I have a couple mentors on YouTube. I've been following Patrick Pet David for the past three years. And I mean, that guy has changed my life in a lot of ways, you know? And so I think there's a lot of, good people out there that can help be a mentor to you. And it's really important or it has been at least for me. So grind and find mentors. And I think you'll find some success in life. Love it, bro. Where can, uh, where can we find you or get a hold of you if we're interested in your subledge services or just to, yeah. uh, talk, man? Yeah. Um, subledge.com S U B L E D G E. Um, and then, you know, on social media, um, cool. search my name or search subledge and, and you'll find me. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you, man. Appreciate Thank coming and joining us here on uh, another episode of City Life Uncensored. Until next time, let's go.